Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. As always, delighted to share our common sense conservatism with you. I misspoke at the bottom of the last hour and told you Dr. Pierre Corey and a very interesting conversation about mRNA vaccine shedding was going to be in this half hour. It's actually the next half hour. So my apologies. I want to, if we can, pivot, though, into this remarkable court situation with Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. I mean, it's it's become such an embarrassment. We are living. It used to be high school musical, but it's just a soap opera. It's a it's a silly soap opera with poor acting, overacting theatrics. Um, You've got some monster egos at play here. And you have a judge who I think has been very, um, just give me the facts. Let's keep this moving. And and let's try not to manipulate the system. The question is very simple. Did Fannie Willis give Nathan Wade, as a special prosecutor who did not have the knowledge, who did not have the legal experience to try this kind of a case, with Donald Trump, election interference, et cetera, et cetera. He's a divorce lawyer. Why did he get named to this special prosecutor's panel? That's one question. And why was he paid like tenfold more than everybody else? And and how did he think he was going to get away with billing hours that indicated that he worked nonstop for 24 hours in a single day? It's as though they are so brazen in their malfeasance. Because they don't think they're going to get caught. It's sort of like these people who are crossing the border and breaking the law. And they have multiple interactions with police. And they end up telling the police that they feel very comfortable going out in broad daylight and breaking the law because they don't think they're going to get punished. They think Joe Biden and this whole Democrat machine is just going to give them a pass. And they're right. The representatives, though, that some of these these folks have, it's terrible. Fannie Willis is not a success story. She's not a district attorney success story. 
for women or for the black community. She, she's not some glowing example of equality and ability. She is a woman who got a job promising to do something that she not to do something that she ended up doing and got caught. She's no different than John Brennan. She got caught in the lie machine that had to be woven after the fact was terrible. If she had come out and Nathan Wade had come out and said, yeah, you know what? We were having a relationship before she ever named me to this panel. And she did pay me more than I should have. And we did go on trips and I did pay them for them. I mean, if you vomit out the facts of the case, you quickly get the wind out of the sails of the people who are coming up against you. But they lied and they're crappy, stupid lies. I've got some audio sound bites of reaction among the media I'm going to get to in a minute. But if you missed the testimony, this is basically in a nutshell what ended up happening. This is from freebeacon.com. Headline witness testifies. And and this was brilliant. (laughs) A woman came forward who was a friend and a colleague of Fannie Willis's who's known her since the 1990s. And if I'm not mistaken, testified that they used to live together, albeit briefly. Do you think that Fannie Willis's friend would be able to under oath testify when Fannie and Nathan Wade started getting together? Yeah. And in the moment she said it, everything that Fannie Willis had been lying about just blew up in her face. Headline, witness testifies that Fannie Willis's affair with prosecutors started before Trump case. It sucks when that happens. A former friend of Fulton County DA, Fannie Willis, testified Thursday that Willis had already started dating Nathan Wade before she appointed him in 2021 to prosecute former President Donald Trump's Georgia election interference case. It's so funny we've got election interference with Donald Trump, who's been demonstrably proven to do nothing except say, you know what? I think we should look into this because a lot of people felt uncomfortable. Guilty! Then over here, you've got Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, John Brennan, Susan Rice and others working and conspiring to create something specifically to interfere in the 2016 election. And these clowns are walking around paid contributors on MSNBC and CNN. And it's all cool. It is not cool. Robin Yearty, who had claimed to be a good friend of Willis from the early 90s to 2022, said under oath that Willis and Wade began the romantic relationship after meeting at a municipal court conference in October 2019, rather than in early 2022, as the two have claimed. It's such a stupid lie. It's predicated on the idea that nobody in the last three years ever saw you or heard you together. Why would you lie? Why? The interesting part is the coverage of the story. I want to get out to you. Erin Burnett, she's CNN, and she said, this is her coverage of this story. It's ridiculous. At some point, you have to be honest and say, well, that didn't go well for the DA. Apparently, a a witness who Fannie Willis ended up firing later for, for blowing the whistle and saying, I'm not so sure you guys are supposed to be using election contributions like this. You're not supposed to do this and you're fired. I want you to hear Aaron Burnett try to run interference and say, no, this case isn't about Fannie Willis. It's not about them. It's about Donald Trump. Listen. 
obviously trying to make the argument that Willis financially benefited from the investigation into Trump and should be removed. But Willis, again, testifying under oath, said that she did not need Wade's money while discussing the relationship. <sighs> did the forthcoming indictment have anything to do with that? Ooh. Or was it just a coincidence? <clears throat> Mr. Let's go on and have the conversation. I'll just ask you whether or not it was a coincidence. Had absolutely nothing to do with this. It's interesting that we're here about this money. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, which is why I was give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. What the heck was that? Is there anything else you would like to add to that? Yes, I'm crazy. No. Sure. But I'm sure we'll talk about it further. Well, you see what I said? To be clear, what Trump's team wants to discuss <laughs> has nothing to do with the actual facts of the case here, right? The facts of the actual case, the heart of all of this, is whether Trump and his allies, uh, it's about election interference. <laughs> they repeatedly tried to overturn this election in Georgia in 2020. Bring Hello. Hi. Hi, Aaron Burnett. Hi. Yes, this is John Brennan. Uh, I'm calling to talk to you guys about election interference because I know a thing or two about it. If you've forgotten what it looks like. What? That is fantastic. And she can't even get out of it. She's like, so let's hop over to MSNBC. What's going on over there? Well, they've got Chuck Rosenberg. He's a former U.S. attorney, used to be part of the FBI, too. And he's going to he's going to talk about this. All right. Conflicting testimony. He actually is starting to tell some truth. Listen. That's exactly right, Andrea. There is conflicting testimony. Uh, a woman named Robin Yerty testified earlier this morning uh, that she had been close friends with uh, Fonnie Willis and that she knew, saw, observed that uh, Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade had a romantic relationship. And she described seeing, you know, sort of the things that you might see when two people are um, uh, dating, you know, uh, affection. Um, contrast that with what Mr. Wade just said on the stand, which was that uh, they did have a romantic relationship, but it did not start as early as Ms. Yurdy said it started. It started, to your point, after he was hired right. by the district attorney on a contractual basis <laughs> uh, to work on this case. So what does that mean? You have two different stories, X and not X. Uh, and now the, uh, the finder of fact, the judge in this case, is going to have to make a determination based on testimony, on credibility, on his assessment of the witnesses and perhaps uh, on other witnesses yet to come. If you cannot depend on a district attorney to tell the truth, to be honest under oath before a judge, do you trust any daggone thing they do professionally moving forward? Are you out of your mind? What? All right, don't go anywhere. I've got two more audio sound bites for you. And basically, the call for Fannie Willis, get out of this case, withdraw before you get disbarred, sister. That is next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. You make the rockin' world go round. 
Oh, for heaven's sakes, this uh, soap opera drama going on, which is just like it's the underbelly of a whole case of suck arguing that Donald Trump somehow tried to overturn the election, that he tried to interfere in election when we know for a fact that the Democrats have been interfering in elections, creating up fake, creating fake news stories, creating wrap up smears that in, it's so frustrating. And so Fanny's taken the stand. This guy, Chuck Rosenberg, is a former U.S. attorney, sitting down with MSNBC. And he's saying, look, she, she sang in the, to the judge that, that, yes, Nathan Wade paid for all of their trips, put them on his credit card, but that she paid him back with cash. Why did she pay him solely with cash when everybody else in her orbit she paid with apps? She used Venmo or PayPal, the Cash App or Zelle. But for some reason, she gave the cold hard. It's all about the Benjamins, you know, for Nathan Wade. It's so dumb. It's so demonstrably stupid. And once you start lying, you go down quickly. And this is what this former U.S. attorney has to say about Fannie Willis. It might be appropriate for Ms. Willis to consider removing herself from this case now and turning the reins over to a senior official in the, in the district attorney's office and let him or her handle it. Because this is getting ugly and it's getting messy and my guess is it's not gonna get better. You think, <laughs> right? If I had a jingle for understatement of the day, that dude would just get it. Now this is Caroline Polisi and she is a common fixture legally speaking on these. She's a federal defense attorney. And she's joining the panel discussion now to underscore in the event that Chuck Rosenberg, as a former U.S. attorney, didn't ice the message home that Fannie freaking Willis is dirty and is hosed. This young lady, as a federal defense attorney, drops the truth bomb. Go. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think... Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court. It's, it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. It's a huge deal. And she's got to be punished. Will it happen? I don't, I don't know. This is me holding my breath. <gasps> right. <laughs> but the. you can't not hold her accountable and say out of the other side of your mouth that we don't have two or eight tiers of justice in this country. It's liberty and justice for all, not for some, not for those we like, not for those who are corrupt, not for those who are scamming the people, not for those who are this or that, all. Uh, you know, it's interesting that we stumble upon this story about uh, CNN and the whole general collapse, I think, of, of mainstream media. I think with every peel of this rancid onion, as we're getting more and more information about the CIA and Barack Obama and what Putin really wanted and interference and who said what and what actually happened, more people are waking up to the idea that the media is not where they can get their news. And as a former television news anchor and reporter for decades, that sucks. People are going other places. They're finding other voices. They're subscribing to Substacks. They're joining Tucker Carlson online. They're hanging out with me. They're going to Dan Bongino. They're checking out Rumble. This is huge. 
Headline from Breitbart, doomed CNN forced to dramatically slash anchor salaries. Doomed CNN is looking to cut more than $50 million in anchor salaries. First of all, that number is, that is absolutely preposterous to me. I remember the golden days when it was a multi $20, $30 million business per anchor. I get it. But they're not delivering the goods. The trust in the news has eroded. And these people who have repeatedly carried the water as the propagandists for the the uniparty, there is new reclaiming your reputation once it has been sullied. It's very hard to get it back. Ask Martha Stewart. How about these? How about these numbers? Just these numbers. Look, and I'm all about everybody making as much money as they can. I think it's great. I think it's crazy. And then it's taken to, to get to this point for CNN to be like, Houston, oh, we got a problem. Do you know how much Anderson Cooper makes? $20 million. Wolf Blitzer, the king of suck. Well, that might be, he might be a prince. Prince of suck. $15 million. If I were Jake Tapper, I'd be super ticked about that because he only comes in at eight and a half. I mean, I don't know how he's making them meet. How about Chris Wallace, who was canceled right away when he started going over there? That CNN Plus, they pulled the plug on it in like four days. He makes $8 million. And then the morning folks, they're just to be trifled with one to two million dollars each. Meh. What are they paying for? So we're going to see, I believe, in the next couple years you're going to see a dramatic shrinking in your news operations. They are not popular because people don't like being lied to. Newsflash. Dr. Pierre Corey, as aforementioned promised, (laughs) he is going to be here coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Have you guys ever heard of shedding? Shedding from the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. It's been out there. I've heard people talk about it kind of in whispers, but no more. Our friend, Dr. Pierre Corey, he is a pulmonary and critical care specialist, also the president and the chief medical director of the Frontline Critical Care Alliance. He has compiled something, really the only publication of its kind. Dr. Corey, I'm so excited to have you be back and to be talking about this issue because I know a lot of people do worry about this. Yeah. No, I I mean, this is just the latest uh, facet on this vaccine catastrophe. And, you know, it it, it truly is unfortunate, right? Because the important thing about the shedding is, you know, a symptomatic shedding event is when someone develops symptoms after exposure to a vaccinated and we've probably already talked about the, the egregious violations of bodily autonomy, medical ethics, right, without informed consent. And now we're finding that these vaccines affect those who didn't choose to get vaccinated. And, and that, that is absolutely absurd. And just briefly, Wendy, for your audience, I mean, shedding is well known to occur with gene therapy products. Like the few points I want to make is that the mRNA vaccines are number one classified by the FDA under the category of gene therapy product, right? Where you inject genetic material, it makes a product, which is the spike protein. And they have a document from 2015, which advises all manufacturers of gene therapy products to do human and animal shedding 
studies. They were not done. We launched a global vaccination campaign without checking for shedding. Number two, the other products on the market, there's three other products on the market that are gene therapies. Each one in their insert describe the risk of shedding that you have to, you know, um, watch for the secretions. In one, uh, they say you cannot have impregnate someone for six months after the therapy. And the other one, it's 30 days where you have to handle and make sure that the feces um, are, are, are handled well. So gene therapy products shed. That's number one. Number two, the other classification of this vaccine is that it falls under nanoparticle technology. Mm-hmm. These lipid nanoparticles distribute widely and they can cross physiologic barriers. And we know that. We find spike in a lot of the autopsy data, in a lot of other studies. Spike is in the breast milk. It's now been found in the placenta. It's been found in the sperm. It's been found in all the tissues. And, and that's a problem because once you have it accumulating in the body, Patients are now capable of shedding, and, and we think the predominant route is from the lungs, where the spike protein that's produced, it goes into something called exosomes, which are these tiny nanoparticles that are actually endogenous. They're biological uh, nanoparticles, very similar to the synthetic ones that are in the vaccine, and they can be exhaled and absorbed by those around. So shedding essentially then is what? So it's in, in this case... It's the shedding of the product of the vaccine. So it's spike protein, which then gets enclosed in these exosomes, and it can be absorbed by those who are exposed to the vaccine. So we're breathing it out on each other. Yes, and then we're breathing it in. More importantly, we're breathing it in. And and so, you know, the one, I think, somewhat fortunate thing is that amount of people who develop clear clinical symptoms from exposure we think is relatively small, mm-hmm. and we've characterized those people that generally the vast majority are very sensitive people, mm-hmm. meaning environmentally sensitive, physiologically sensitive. These are people who can't handle you know, pharmaceuticals uh, very well. They often develop side effects, or they can't handle. Some are sensitive to mold, EMF. You know, there are those kind of people who are very environmentally sensitive, and that's the vast majority of the shedding reports are people who have, but it's not everyone. There are other people who aren't sensitive. And but you, they will develop typical vaccine adverse effect reactions after exposures. And um, it, it's really sad because I, we have a number of patients in my practice who now have to alter like their social patterns and their behaviors and avoid even you know crowded places and, and stores and they can't have certain people come over. It's, it's really shocking. What kind of symptoms are they are they experiencing? I know that there had been so many menstrual abnormalities with the yep. vaccines and such, but is it the same with this? So far and away, number one uh, is menstrual ir- irregularities. And, and that blew up right after the campaign started. Many, many women started noticing that after years, if not decades, of normal, regular cycles, they saw sort of so many disruptions, heavy bleeding, cramping, uh, clotting, missed periods. Um, and that, that's the number one reported symptom. But, you know, we put out a public call for these clinical reports. We have well over a thousand. And, you know, myself and a colleague named the Midwestern doctor, we, we reviewed all of them. We kind of categorized them. And the most common, right, is it's menstrual irregularities. Then it's things like headache, dizziness, bruising, painless bruising. We did, a lot of people reported that after close exposures. Um, and then, you know, less common is we see palpitations, abdominal pain. It, most commonly, it's just malaise. People just don't feel well. They suddenly just feel ill and not well and even can get nauseous. And, um, and And so, I mean, the list is actually quite long. And then there's rarer symptoms. We even have a death from shedding, which is shocking. Um, 
But, you know, that's person-to-person setting. The stuff that we have really scary data on is placental transmission and breast milk transmission. You know, in the, in the Pfizer post-marketing data, when you read these reports of babies who breastfeed, they develop anaphylaxis, strokes, respiratory arrest. I mean, luckily, it's not very common, but those things have happened. And there's no explanation for it. Why would a baby get a stroke after breastfeeding? That's just absolutely frightening. So, it, so it's shocking. It, so, what do what do you do? Say so. Say I'm unvaccinated, and my husband, who is a physician, is vaccinated. How do people who coexist with each other? <laughs> and it's not yeah. just unvaccinated people having the effects. But yeah, what, what do good you? Point. Is there a is is there a treatment? Is there a, I don't know. Well, well, yeah. Let me let me give you a couple of, couple of thoughts on it. But number one, you made a good point. So it's not just the unvaccinated. In my practice, I have vaccine injured patients who have found that they're sensitive to exposures to other vaccinated patients. So there are some people who shed a lot of spike, and even vaccinated can be sensitive. But what do you do? So the first thing I will say is anyone listening, if they have not noticed any sort of adverse effects or odd symptoms developing, you know, they, they haven't felt anything, they're okay. They're not, they're not, you know, susceptible to vaccine shedding. You know, those that do sometimes develop odd symptoms after going places or around others, now, there are things that we use. I mean, number one would be ivermectin because it binds spike very well. Many of the uh, shedding susceptible report that that can be helpful. Um, we put people on things that degrade spike, you know, fibrinolytics like the supplement called natokinase. We use bromelain. Um, we, we use a number of things, but a lot of it is just altering your patterns and behaviors. Um, and it, it's, it's just shocking. Now, I'll tell you really briefly, uh, Wendy, Perfect example. Two weeks ago, I'm seeing a patient of mine that I've been taking care of for six months. He'd made a lot of improvements, but on this day, he started telling me how he wasn't doing well. He'd kind of regressed, relapsed with a lot of his symptoms, and he doesn't read my substack. Many of my patients do, and he just spontaneously in the visit, he said, you know, Dr. Corey, it's a weird thing. He says, I can't go to grocery stores. If I go to Trader Joe's, I just start to feel really terrible when I have to leave. Yesterday, I was at a farmer's market. It was really crowded. I couldn't stay more than 10 minutes. And he's like, I just feel terrible. You know, I get dizzy, and I can't remember his other symptoms. And I said to him, I said, you know what that is? And he said, no, what is it? And I had to explain what shedding was. Wow. And so now he kind of avoids going to the grocery store. His wife goes in. Well, does this belie then the argument that we need to immediately cease this booster campaign? Oh, spot on. I mean, we think, you know, myself and my colleagues... Not that anything's going to stop it, because this, it, uh, we won't get, even get into it, but this is the most compelling reason to stop it. Well, I, I don't know about the most. We have probably a dozen reasons sure. to stop it, like excess mortality and all that, all that crazy stuff. But, but this is really beyond the pale. I mean, people are getting affected who chose not to participate in an experimental gene therapy campaign, and, and now they, they're still at risk, and some of them get sick. How can you, and I have, uh, of my sons, I have one who's graduating who had to get the vaccine to go to school and one who's going to be going next next uh, fall. How do we awaken these colleges and universities that are still in the past mandating something for a virus that is not uh, a critical issue health-wise right now? I, it's very hard. I, I don't know why. I think at the last count, there's still like 65 right. universities in this country that mandate, which is just absolutely absurd. Now, I think about six or eight months ago, it was 101. Right. So that number is going down. Mm-hmm. Some are coming to their senses. 
I don't know what's going on with these colleges that still think it's reasonable four years into a viral pandemic to mandate vaccines to young people. It, it's absolutely absurd. The problem there, Wendy, is, you know, the, the consensus, the stuff that's coming out of journals and the agencies is that it's safe and effective, and we no. recommend that it be done because it prevents whatever stuff they want to make up, hospitalization, death. I mean, there's no data to support that. Well, there's corrupted data to support that, but we know that there's no value in this. But they're going to listen to authorities and agencies. The only way to win is people have to be aware that these agencies are captured, they're corrupted, and they've been providing absolutely dangerous guidance around these gene therapies since the beginning. Right. All of the adverse event data is distorted, dismissed, suppressed. You don't see media talking about it. So it's very hard to get what we consider private knowledge out into common knowledge. There's something called this dome of censorship and propaganda. It's very hard to penetrate. Right on. When my husband's JAMA comes every every month or whatever, oh. two weeks, I look at it and I I, I want him to obviously see Puke. it, and to, right? I want to throw it in the garbage because yep. they have they have sold out. It's like putting in a new variable in a scientific experiment and not recording it. You've thrown out the validity of your entire experiment then. Everything is ruined. They've ruined our faith in science, sir. There's no question, and I've said that multiple times, I'm completely estranged. I, I didn't know this three years ago, four years ago now. I mean, I used to venerate those journals. I mean, if it was in the New England Journal of Medicine right. or JAMA, it's the best science, the best scientists there. Now, after deep study, those journals are literally run by the pharmaceutical industry. And yeah. so you cannot trust those journals. They will lie to you with a alarming and brazen regularity. And the, the real problem with that is most physicians practicing today have no idea. In my last minute with you, Dr. Corey, and I love having you on. Thank you for all you do. It, it matters. I loved you when the beginning, when you were saying, <clears throat> hey, what are we doing? And you were like one of the first voices. And I'm like, that guy, I want that guy. <laughs> you're going to speak with Ron Johnson, Senator. Yeah. You're going to be speaking before. Is Congress awake? <sighs> No, there's a few people awake, but that, oh. you know, it's probably, there's a few people awake, like Ron Johnson's been out there, Rand Paul, mm -hmm. there's probably a cohort that are not vocal, not public, but are well aware of what's going on, but uh, they, they, I, I wouldn't depend on Cron. I mean, come on, they're bought and paid for by pharma. But I mean, they're, they're not going to. Not even the physician members of Congress, they're not on it? I mean, Rand Paul would be one yeah, example. Know. Uh, you know, no. I mean, there's, you know, there's a few in the House, like Massey's been very good. Um, you know, obviously there's a couple of governors. The states really have probably been better than than federal. I, I mean, I think federal government, they're captured. I mean, I think the only hope is really in the states right. um, that are, you know, putting down, man, you know, invalidating mandates, you know, uh, outlawing mandates, right. you know, not requiring these things. And so my hope is in local community, state 100%. level. Um, you're, yeah. I think you're wonderful. Again, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Pierre Corey, follow him on his Substack. You're wonderful. And thank you, sir, for being back as a voice of, of honesty. Thanks, Wendy. Good to talk to you. Take good care now. All right. Quick time out on the Wendy Bell Radio program. We'll be back right after this. The reason why I wanted you to hear Dr. Corey is he has, through listening to his own patients and speaking with other trusted colleagues he noticed trends he noticed certain things and this was much like that embalmer we had on the program do you remember that it was probably two years ago and we had him on and he was the guy who blew the lid off of all of the fibrous 
um, snake-like things that they were getting out of the bodies of people who died and things that he'd never seen before that looked like worms and snakes and blood clots and things that were horrendous. And then he started noticing it and other people started noticing it and they started collaborating on it. But they're, they're prevented from putting this out there mainstream. And you have to ask yourself why. If we have a First Amendment, if we actually believe in, in what we say we believe in, and you should have access to all kinds of different opinions and ideas. You, you should have at your fingertips the way we present our rundown to you on our Locals tab, where, where you have the roadmap. You get to click on the links. You get to see the, the embedded stories. You get to decide. Not this homogenized one view of things that demands action, i.e. A, a vaccine or, or climate activism. You need to take action. You can't have a stove anymore, right? Rather than giving us the tools to decide for us. It's because everything they've been pushing sucks, and they know that we know that it sucks, and they're in the throes of a furious cover-up and a silence, silencing campaign. So, so Dr. Corey has to go out and assemble 1,000 individual cases to put together his own research and say, you know, I'm not the world's foremost expert on this, but I can notice trends, and this is what we're noticing. Isn't that how, isn't that how progress is made with collaboration? with observation, with some semblance of integrity. I, I had kind of teaser beezered this earlier in the program, and we've found this story again. Breitbart's got some good, just hot, peppered-in stories today, just little quick talkers, and this is interesting. Desperate San Francisco residents embrace conservative ideas. The pendulum is illustrated in this story. San Francisco residents appear to finally have had enough of what they voted for and are now open to embracing some conservative ideas, according to a poll. Conservative, conservative ideas are not complicated ideas. They are tried and true. They're time-tested. And we believe in them because they work. And everything that we've gone through over the last three years, which is contrary to conservative values, has been hellacious. Right? San Francisco's Chamber of Commerce, their annual City Beat poll, Conducted by EMC Research, surveyed 500 likely voters. Again, this is not scientific. It's a trend. Between January 17th and 21st of this year. After years and years of one of the most left-wing cities in America getting exactly what it voted for in the form of violent crime, filthy streets, drugs everywhere, vacant downtown caused by all three, along with insanely high taxes. Like, you got to ask yourself, aside from the beautiful topography, once you get past the, the hypodermic needles, feces, and garbage, right? What, why are you there? These dummies appear to have finally awakened. I didn't say dummies. This is the author. But I mean, how many times can you be beaten, kicked, lied to, abused, overtaxed, underserved. I mean, truly, according to this poll, after just a few short years of living with the reality of their stupid ideas, 
The people of San Francisco are now hardcore Reaganites, demanding tax breaks for corporations, drug tests for welfare recipients, and some gosh darn law and order. Some of the highlights. 69% say crime has gotten worse. 61% feel safe visiting downtown during the day. Only 61%. Only 34% felt safe visiting downtown at night. 84% want financial incentives offered to small businesses. 81% want the same incentives for big businesses. 71% want tax incentives offered to fill business vacancies. 61% want an increased police presence via drones and surveillance. 61%. Support drug screening for welfare recipients. I guess they're all MAGA now, right? It's the last number that's actually pretty important. I mean, how could you imagine in a city as far left as San Francisco demanding welfare recipients take drug tests? But it's a huge part of the city's problem. The government funding junkies to stay addicted. Stay junkies. Why leave a city when your habit is subsidized by taxpayers? When you can open a tent on the streets, when you can brazenly shoplift $900 worth of stuff every day and never see the inside of a jail cell? I mean, does this mean that San Francisco is ultimately going to save itself? No, I doubt it. I think these blue cities, and I agree with the author, John Nolte, I believe that the cities are similarly doomed. It's going to take a Reagan. It's going to take a Giuliani. It's going to take a Trump-minded conservative to come in and fix things. But to the fate of San Francisco, Chicago, Los Angeles, Baltimore, Oakland, and my city. I live in one, and I've watched it go down the drain. Pittsburgh. I mean, if you can't even pick up the rotting carcasses of roadkill. For weeks, when you don't pick up garbage, when you don't care anymore, and that's the leadership of your city, can you be saved? I don't know. It's a shame. Life is too short, though, to stress out over places we can't control, which is why we're moving. Which is why you're watching places change. I don't want to live here anymore. I'm tired of propping up people who suck. And that's the government. Democrat-run government. You know, Pierre Corey said something interesting. It begins at the local level. Change. Do you know who says that? National security expert John Guandolo. He's got a little jihadi conversation for us on deck next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.